Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So this is something that I think affects all of us. It's probably something that you have thought about from time to time. And from what I hear from people, it's on people's minds a lot today. That's what we're going to be talking about this Thursday afternoon. It's fresh thinking. And... You're with Rabbi Shishla. We're together until 3 p.m. You are invited to the conversation, as always. And I'm sure people will have a lot to say about it. So here's my question. Do you ever feel that's part A? And part B is, why do you think it is? Do you ever feel that just when you're doing something right, you've put in the effort, you've tried hard, didn't come easily, and you make progress, and dafka? Dafka at that point in time, just after you've invested and just after you've made progress, then God throws the curve ball. Do you ever feel that that's the case? Do you ever feel like, why now? Why me? You know, I could understand under previous, at, at a previous time or under different circumstances, maybe I wasn't up to scratch and I didn't behave the way that I should have. But I've, I've just tried, I've just done, fill in the blanks. I've just given tzedakah, I've just committed, I've just upgraded, I've just cushioned my kitchen, I've just started keeping Shabbos, I've just started going to a shir, whatever it is. And now is when things start to unravel. Why? Why can't God just give me some credit for the effort that I've put in? So my question for you today is, over the last few days, couple of weeks, I've heard this from quite a number of people where they say, I've done X and Y and it's blown up in my face. So here I am. Everybody told me that this is what I'm supposed to do to grow my spirituality and to improve my Judaism. So I'm doing it and I'm trying it. And shortly after exactly that, then things start to go awry and people are befuddled by it. And I think it is one of those things that really bothers and confuses all of us. So my question to you is, do you have any insight on what would you say to somebody and how do you help a person or yourself if you've been through it? How do you help a person see their way clear under those circumstances where punkt, dafka, exactly when you start doing what it is that you believe you should be doing, that's when life sours or that's when the challenges come. And I'm not talking about years down the line. I'm talking about almost immediately. You know, people will say it. They'll identify. This particular thing happened in my life. I did X. And from then and on, everybody promised me I would keep Shabbos and business would take off. Everybody promised me that I would become more connected to God and I would have a happier life. And the reality is that I'm seeing almost the exact opposite. Ever since I started that commitment, ever since I started doing that positive thing, this went wrong and that went wrong and I've had this challenge and that problem. So how do you see that and how are you supposed to make sense of that kind of thing? Why is it that it seems that from time to time and sometimes quite often God throws the curveball just when we're doing well, just when we're headed in the right direction? I'm inviting your views and insights on 34519 if you're going to SMS us. Otherwise, you can WhatsApp 0618951019. You can tweet at FM. Tweet me directly. At Rabbi Shish, what do you think about this very 
concerning for many people situation. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Okay, so this is a big question. I know the only reason I know that it's a big question is because it's something that I've heard from many people over a long period of time. But for some reason, especially in the last while, in the, the last few days or weeks, and I think that it's something we have to address because it's something which doesn't seem to make any sense, doesn't seem to add up. Why is it that you see sometimes, Dafka, when people do what they should be doing or at least what they understand that they should be doing? I know some people are going to say, yeah, well, how do you know that what you're doing is what you're meant to be doing? We're, we're people. We can only do the best that we can. So what, what does it mean? What does it mean when things just don't work out? In spite of us doing our best. When I say things don't work out, I know people will get all philosophical about this. I anticipate that. But let's take it at face value and let's just try and understand what, how are you to untangle this concept that here's somebody who's doing their best, who's started to invest in something spiritual, in something meaningful, and, and then and then things just don't go right. How are you to understand that? It, it's very interesting because I imagine, I, I suspect, let's put it that way, I suspect that there are people who have had this conversation with me over the last couple of weeks. I'd be really interested. I suspect I won't, but I'd be really interested if they'd weigh in on this conversation. I mean, that assumes, of course, that they're listening. But it'd be interesting because people, you know, people do have very, very strong personal experiences here on twitter is hannah hannah says on twitter that god likes to test us sometimes when we are not on the right path or when god wants us to go in a different direction maybe it's his way of getting our attention now that's an interesting one maybe it's his way of getting our attention so firstly hannah is saying that sometimes god tests us when we're not on the right path I'm saying, I'm talking about people who are on the right path. And I know that maybe that's a, a subjective view because at the end of the day, how does a person really know if they are on the right path? You have nothing to go by except for the very best of your personal judgment. I mean, you can't, you can't do, uh, you can't do anything better than your own judgment, right? So let's, let's not be too harsh on people and say, well, maybe you're not doing as well as you should. Just simply talking about people who, to the best of their ability, they are on the right path. To the best of their understanding, they are on the right path. Why then would God make the road bumpy? So then Hannah goes on to say, maybe it's his way of getting our attention. So I hear that, and I do hear that. Do you believe that he has to use something negative in order to grab our attention? Surely, surely he could grab our attention in positive ways also. Surely he could do some kind of a spectacular miracle that's right in front of our eyes, and that would grab our attention. And I suppose it also begs the question, why does he need to get our attention? I mean, you know, if we if we find him, we find him. But why does he have to get our attention? I suppose that that would be part of the question. So here's a WhatsApp from Neil. And uh, WhatsApp says, the quote, we are spiritual beings on a physical journey. God is spiritual 
and we have been created by him, yet we are physical beings made of flesh and blood, who is control of the earth we live in. So, Neil, I have a very interesting observation on, on that thought, because I know people very often will use the expression that we are physical. That's true. It's not altogether true because we have a soul, right? And I suppose we could debate the question of who's the real we, is the real, or who's the real me? Is the real me the physical body or is the real me the soul? But then people always say that God is spiritual. And, and I don't think that's accurate. And Judaism doesn't believe that that's accurate to say that God is spiritual. And it's quite an easy way to illustrate that point. If you go to the opening line of the entire Bible, it says, Beratius in the beginning, Bara Elohim, Elohim, which is one of the names of God, created Es Hashomayim He created the heavens and the earth. Now, the implication of the heavens in that quote is the spiritual realms. So if he created spirituality, pretty much in the same way as he created the physical, then it's not really accurate for us to call him spiritual. And I know that I'm nitpicking, but I just think it's it's important to clarify that because very often that's what muddies the waters for us. And then we don't really understand what it is that we're trying to interpret or to what we're trying to apply over here. So back to our question. We've got Hannah saying that sometimes God wants to redirect us. So he'll send something our way because we need to go onto a different path or direction from the one that we're on. And I suppose you could say that that even applies if we're on what we consider to be a correct path. Maybe there's a different, I think that's profound, that there might be a different and correct path. In other words, Perhaps what you're saying is you don't have to be on the wrong path to receive a correction in your life. It could just be that there is an alternative positive path which has greater value for you. So he's redirecting you onto the better or healthier or more rewarding or more growth-oriented path. That's definitely possible. You know, what springs to mind in this conversation, and I suppose because there will be people, and I anticipate that there will be people who say, how do you know if you're on the right path? And maybe you're just being subjective. So let's reference one scenario. It's actually spoken about in this week's Torah portion, so it's it's quite apropos. But let's reference one scenario, and that's the scenario of our patriarch Abraham, Avraham Avinu. Now, the Torah tells us the very first proper story that the Torah tells us about his life is where Abraham at that point is already a mature adult. In fact, he, by our standards, would be considered a senior citizen and pensioner. Maybe that sounds better. And Abraham is told by God, leave everything that you know. Leave your country, your birthplace, your father's house. So everything that's familiar, everything that you've lived with for your entire life and go And then he tells him, go to the land that I will show you. So in order for Abraham to do this, together with his wife, uh, Sarah, at that time they were known as Avram and Sarai. So in order to do that, they had to have a tremendous sense of faith. And there's no question about it that if they go on that journey, they're doing the correct thing from God's point of view. How do we know? Because God told them. He said, I want you to do these things. So now they're doing it. They're obviously on the correct path. You and you expect, we expect in our lives that if we had that kind of faith and if we had that kind of dedication and we walked on God's path, we anticipate that the next thing that happens in our life should be something rewarding and positive. That's what we think. 
So we think to ourselves, if I've made a sacrifice and I, I've decided I'm going to keep a kosher home, or I'm going to send my children to a Jewish day school, or I'm going to keep Shabbos, or I'm going to give charity as the Torah prescribes, not how I necessarily feel comfortable doing so, or whatever. You can add on, I'm sure, many, many other examples. So we anticipate, here I am, God has told us that this is the path that we're supposed to walk. I'm walking that path. The next thing that happens in my life should be something positive. Now, you read the story of Abraham, and the next thing that happens in his life is he reaches the destination that God says, okay, you have arrived at your destination. Right? There they are. They're where they have to be. And the very next story is that the destination is inhospitable. They arrive in the land of Canaan, and no sooner do they get there there's a famine and they have to pack up and leave. And not just pack up and leave. It's really interesting because the option, for whatever reason, is not to go back home. The most probable reason is because God said, leave all of that behind you. So it's not, it's not an option. Can't go back. So where do they end up having to go? To Egypt. Which in those days, and perhaps it hasn't changed, in those days Egypt was known to be a highly dangerous, immoral environment. You did not want to go to Egypt. Certainly not if you were a person on a quest to connect with God. Certainly not if you were somebody of the sensitive spiritual nature of Abraham. You don't want to go to Egypt. And now he doesn't have a choice. And surely he could have turned around at that point in time and said, I don't get this. I've just shown more dedication to God than pretty much anybody in history. I went without knowing why I'm going or where I'm going And I did it. And you promised me. Because God says, and I will bless you. You promised me that. Where's the blessing? And God said, I will make your name great. You promised me. Where's this great fame of mine? No sooner do I get to the place. I haven't even settled in. I don't even have residence yet. And I've got to up and go to the, really, the dregs, the the worst spot on earth. The land of Egypt. So I think that that's probably a story that many, many people in their own lives can resonate with or will resonate with. I feel that that happens to me. Why do you think it is? Why do you think it is that when people show dedication and they do what's right, and I know the cliche that no good deed goes unpunished, why do you think it has to be that way? Why can't it just be like I put in the effort, let me cut me some slack, let things work out for me. So if you've got a view on that, please share it. 34519, that's our SMS line. You can WhatsApp as well, 061-895-1019. You can tweet at Chai FM. You can tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. Or you can even email on air at ChaiFM.com. This is Fresh Thinking. You're with Rabbi Shishla. And we're talking about why it is that sometimes Dafka, when people show dedication to God, it would appear that God doesn't necessarily make life easier just because of that. Here's Holly on Twitter who says, does he cause anything to go wrong or is it us that cause our own harm? Well, I think that that's important. It's important in the general discussion because the reality is sometimes we are the people who make those bad choices, bad decisions and create circumstances for ourselves which are unhealthy or negative circumstances. Got that. But reference the story of Abraham as an example. There it's clear. The Torah tells us he did exactly what it is that he was supposed to do. In fact, Niels just sent another WhatsApp, which says, based on a quotation in Genesis, that God justified Abraham by his faith. I, I'm, I'm not sure that the, the word in English is the most direct translation of the Hebrew, but, but nonetheless, 
what's great about Abraham is his faith. So we certainly, and that's why I bring up the story of Abraham, because it's easy for us to turn around to somebody else who's going through a difficult time and say, well, maybe you're not doing what you should, and you think that you're doing what you should, but you're being subjective. Here's a great example. Here's a person who, in the most objective terms, was absolutely dedicated to God. He did exactly what he was instructed to do, and no sooner did he do it, straight away things went awry. And by the way, it's not the only time that it happened to Abraham. It's certainly not the only time that it's happened to great people in Jewish history. Think about Moses. He turns to God with this complaint, and he says, I don't get it. You sent me to Pharaoh. You gave me this great promise about how it is that we were going to go and take the Jews out of Egypt. And what really happened? No sooner did I speak to Pharaoh, things got worse. There you have it. I'm sure you, you, I'm sure you could think of other examples and maybe you want to share those examples. Biblical examples, Talmudic examples, historic examples, contemporary examples. I'm sure that many, many people have exactly that experience. Question is, why? Why can't it just be smooth? Why can't it just be that we do what we should and life, okay, it doesn't have to turn miraculous, but let life at least become a little bit more enriched, a little bit Easier? Um, sound a little bit like fiddle on the roof again, I suppose. Uh, here's uh, somebody saying, A mensch tracht und Gott lacht. That's one of the classic Yiddish sayings, which is basically that we think and God, how do they say? Man proposes and God disposes. Now, that, that sometimes I think might just be a cynical statement. It, it's people shrugging their shoulders almost in despair and saying, well, that's how it is. It doesn't tell us why it is. Okay, so let's accept that. Let's say that for whatever reason it is, we come up with our great plans and God does not approve of them. Fine. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about his plan. We're talking about things that he says, I want you to do. And not only that, he says, and good things will happen to you if you do them. And then they don't. (laughs) So now what? How do you get your head around that? Here's uh, another interesting suggestion from Ronnie who says, maybe it's to challenge us to do more, like a teacher who challenges us to learn something harder once we have understood the material. So I get that, and and I think that many people would get that and would accept that and would resonate with that. In other words, you've passed level one. Don't rest on your laurels. Have an opportunity to grow to the next level. And that's a fundamental teaching within Judaism that – There is no rest for the righteous. That's how we say it in Judaism. I know that the cliche is a little different, but in Judaism, that's what we say. Tzadikim ein lohem menucha. The Talmud tells us that righteous people have no rest. And it's based on a verse in Psalms that says, that we always have to go from strength to strength. So perhaps that might as well be the reason that if a person thinks, I've arrived, which is potentially one of the most harmful spiritual Mindsets that a person could ever adopt is the I've arrived mindset because the minute you say that it's like, oh, you mean there's more to do? You mean there's opportunity for greater growth? And we know that stagnation is the beginning of all spiritual undoing. So then God will come along and say, "Mm, let's just shake you up a little bit and give you something which is going to be uncomfortable, something which is going to be a little challenging and perhaps that will give you the Need? Is that the correct word? Maybe the challenge, better word, to get even better, stronger, deeper. Okay? 
I, I do hear that, and I think Ronnie's making a good point. I wonder if it resonates with people who are actually going through this kind of thing right now. And I'm, I'm absolutely certain that there are people going through this kind of thing right now because I, I, I've spoken to them in the last few days, literally. Can't tell you. It's it's incredible how how many people have stepped forward. If I even say just this week, saying I don't get it, I did this, 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 and then that, that, that happened, and I'm like, hmm. Uh, actually, I think rabbis are in the business of marketing the religion, not necessarily picking up the slack when things go wrong. It's difficult. People think that we, as the rabbis, are going to have the answers to these questions. We're people like you. You know, we learn just like you. Perhaps we've learned things that you haven't let y- yet learned. Perhaps you've learned things we haven't yet learned. We don't have these magical insights. We we have some access to wisdom that, in fact, is the same access you have to wisdom. You can pick up the same books and read the same books. And so it's not always easy to answer those questions. And I've literally been tongue-tied a few times this week. So I thought maybe if I shared it with all of you, maybe you'd come up with something which is helpful. Now, here we go. Here's uh, Jason. It says, how can anyone know God's ways? Had to happen, right? Had to happen. Someone had to say that. Here's Neil by WhatsApp saying the same thing. How do we know we are right with God? I I think it's the same thing. These are true statements to say we don't know God. The prophet Isaiah says that my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. In other words, it's a fundamental understanding that we have to have, which is it would be mighty presumptuous of us to think that we know how God thinks, why God does certain things. But that does not give us the opportunity or the leeway to throw our hands up in despair and say, oh, well, let's just accept We are expected, it's part of being human, certainly part of being Jewish, we're expected to acknowledge that he gave us a brain, we're supposed to use that brain, we're supposed to probe, even if at the end of our probe the answer will be we don't know, that's fine, doesn't absolve us from the probe, we've got to ask, we've got to think got to stretch our minds as best we can because there might well be information that's available to us in teachings within the Torah that will help us to understand these things. Here's Rene by WhatsApp who says, I think we suffer in this world in order that we will appreciate the next world where we will not suffer. I wonder if everybody agrees with that. In other words, I wonder if people are comforted by the thought of, oh, well, going through a tough time now, but it's okay. It's a worthwhile investment. It's a down payment on the next world. And I wonder if people will agree with the concept that we don't suffer at all in the next world. Is that necessarily accurate? So there's something in its own right, something to think about. So our conversation over here today is, why do you think it is that just when a person does, to the best of their knowledge, okay, we have to say that caveat, person does what God wants, and then Dafka is when things start to fall apart. Why do you think it is? 34519, if you're going to SMS in, otherwise WhatsApp 0618951019, and you can tweet at FM or you could tweet me at Rabashish. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So Eugene on Twitter says, I don't think we have any right to attribute changes of any kind to God's interference, especially when it comes to our petty lives. 
<laughs> so somebody mentioned something a little bit earlier that was quite similar to that. In other words, don't we make decisions and then our decisions are what influence the things that happen to us in our life? And so Eugene is echoing a similar kind of a sentiment. Do you really think that God gets his hands dirty in the little things of our lives? Well, yes, we do. That's exactly what Jewish people believe, that God is intimately involved in the running of the world. Maimonides, the Rambam, writes this in very interesting and clear terms right at the beginning of his section about the the, the prohibition of idolatry and he talks about how idolatry evolved and how it started off with people thinking that it was beneath God's digni- dignity to be personally involved in the day-to-day running of the world and so he began to outsource that was the origin of paganism because it's a slippery slope from saying that God is not in control of everything to the point where a person says there are various gods or godheads or however it is that you want to say it. Uh, to the point where a person says, well, maybe we need to pay homage to this one because this one is the one that is now in charge of. It's like kind of the minister of agriculture. So if you want your farm to do well, you better be on good terms with the minister of agriculture, spiritual minister, obviously. So it's a fundamental belief of Judaism that you may never say that. Now, I know people are going to battle, obviously, with the, well, then what power do I have and what's the value of my choices? That's not our conversation for today. But to suggest that God quote-unquote, does not get involved in our petty lives is not a Jewish perspective. We really do believe it. One of the 13 attributes or 13 principles of Jewish faith is faith in the concept of reward and consequence. In other words, that our actions are responded to by God and that response may very well be what we think is petty. In other words, why would he care? That's exactly what we believe. We don't believe in an aloof God. We believe in an, an involved God, in an, in an intimately involved God. So that's important for us to know. Dave on Twitter says, I don't know what God has for us. None of us do. I believe he gives us our lives, and we're to do the correct things to the best we can. Well, that's absolutely true. I completely agree with that. We are here to do the best we can. You know, it's interesting because we've just started reading about Abraham and his journey through life. And of course, in doing so, his building of the foundation of what would become monotheism and Judaism. And a lot of what goes on in Abraham's life, we're told, is the concept of Nisayon. Now, the direct translation of Nisayon is a challenge, a test. In fact, the Mishnah in Prakavot and the Ethics of the Fathers says that Abraham underwent 10 major tests. These were tests of his dedication, tests of his faith. And very often it would appear that we have tests in our lives and people will use the expression to say, well, God is testing you. Now, that's a mind-boggling concept because why would he, why, why would he test us? Is it as if he doesn't know what our capacity is or our dedication is? God's not like you and I who has to await the results of a particular experiment to know what the results are. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's beyond time and space. So he knows after the fact what will happen, even though it's now before the fact, if you know what I'm saying. So if we are to subscribe to this concept of tests, which is very much a part of the story of Abraham, and by extension the story because we're told whatever happened to our patriarchs and matriarchs 
is actually the kind of thing that's going to happen to us. The stories of our ancestors, of our forefathers, is similar but is a sign for the, their descendants of what's going to happen in their lives. So if there were nisyoinos, if there were all these challenges or tests in their lives, that means you can expect the same kind of thing to happen in your life. So why would God test us? He knows the outcome. Why on earth would he test us? It's a comfortable answer. It's a convenient answer for a person to say, well, he's testing you. You got to this particular point. You did well. And now he's testing. Can you go further? Somebody suggested that earlier in the show that you've reached a point. Don't become complacent. He's going to test you now to see, are you dedicated in spite of that upset? It's all very well, but we have to know this. The purpose of a test cannot be for God to hear or see or identify the results. If anything, it's fuss. Maybe you didn't realize how much tenacity you have. Maybe you didn't realize how deep your faith runs. Maybe you didn't realize how much dedication you could work up. So he throws the test at you to allow you to discover you. That is a possible explanation, actually. That is a possible Explanation. Uh, Rene, again, on WhatsApp says, it is very difficult to accept our suffering. That it is. But sometimes suffering can teach us a lot about life. So that speaks to this concept of Nisayon, meaning to say we don't invite suffering. We don't hope for suffering. In fact, exactly on the contrary. If there's one thing that we do daily, it's we ask God, don't send me challenges. We say that in the morning blessings that we're supposed to read every morning. Please don't set me up for challenge. And we ask God in our prayers for smooth things, for good health, for enough money to be able to, to live comfortably, uh, nachas from our children, etc. So we don't invite suffering. We don't invite challenges. But then God has his particular way and his particular plan, which includes throwing curveballs at us. And that has to be, we must acknowledge that it's there. And this is a difficult one when you're going through it. It's really difficult. It's easy for a person to talk about objectively in some kind of a sterile environment. But when a person's actually going through that stuff, it's really difficult. We have to acknowledge that our belief is toiv Hashem lakol, that God is good to all. Meaning to say that those curveballs somehow are there for our good. And that's why in response to Neil's WhatsApp here, he says, should we follow Abraham's example? 100% yes. The reason we're told the stories of these personalities, of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, of Sarah, of Rebecca, of Rachel, of Leah, the reason we're told these stories is that we know what it's supposed to look like, what dedication to God is supposed to look like, what behavior of a decent human is supposed to look like. So yes, absolutely, we are supposed to, supposed to follow their example. In this particular case, Abraham's example is great because Abraham's example shows us that even when nothing worked out according to plan, even when he did his best to follow God and then it all got thrown, so to speak, in his face, he still kept going and he did not in any way weaken his dedication. Here's a WhatsApp from Hoda who says, when Hashem solves your problem, your problems, you have faith in his abilities. When Hashem does not solve your problems, he has faith in your abilities. I love that quote. Never heard it before, but I think it's a great quote. Let's say that again. So when God solves your problems, you have faith in his ability. When God does not solve your problems, 
He has faith in your abilities. I love that. That's really powerful. And I think that that speaks to the heart of a lot of what Judaism is about. God can obviously do anything. He can smooth it all over. He can make everything work for us. He can wave the whatever kind of metaphysical wand he has and do miracles. But that's not what he wants. He doesn't want to spoil us. He doesn't want to lay everything out for us on some kind of a silver platter. The reason he created us and the reason he created us in the particular way that he did with our self-doubt, with our foibles, with our weaknesses, the reason he did it that way is because he does believe that we have abilities to rise, to challenge, to see through the murkiness of when things don't work exactly the way that we want. So yeah, beautiful statement and insight. And that's actually what this Nisayon concept is about. So be able to illustrate to us that there's something we have that we did not necessarily know that we had. You speak to people who've had major challenges. You get two kinds of people who've had major challenges. You get those who are broken by those challenges and we dare not judge them because we don't know what it's like to go through what they've been through. And then you get those people who are the most unbelievable people in spite of their challenges. They walk around upbeat, smile on their face, they feel enriched because somehow they were able to discover with in that challenge that there was greatness. And that's ultimately what we're supposed to believe God wants from us. Much easier said than done. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So this is uh, definitely a conversation that somebody tweeted earlier, it's too deep for Twitter. <laughs> That's what the person said. And I think it's true. For that matter, it's too deep for a one-hour show on a radio station. This is the kind of thing that we have to spend a lot of time and be very thoughtful about and do our research and have the conversation and then have the conversation again and certainly don't accept glib answers, especially if you're the person who's going through that difficulty and somebody's trying to help you out, quote unquote, by telling you philosophy. People should not help you with philosophy unless you ask for it. People should help you with help. In any event, so there's this term nisayon, which means a challenge. As I mentioned, we say every single morning in our prayers, al tevi'eni loyli de nisayon, don't send me challenges because we know that it's a scary place to be and the results are not necessarily always positive. Yet, God chooses to do that. And quite often he does dafka when we've tried hard and we've invested and we've tried to grow. Very often that's exactly when he sends us the curveball. It doesn't really feel like a curveball. It feels a little bit more like a ninja star. But anyway, and it takes us down just when we're trying to pick ourselves up. So it's this concept of Nisayon, which we read about a lot in the story of Abraham. And Nisayon comes from the root of the word nace. Now everybody knows nace as the word miracle. But the truth is, nace also means a, a flagpole. Like, you know, can you imagine, picture a flagpole that's quite tall with a flag at the top? Well, that's what a nisayon is. It's something that gives us the opportunity to rise a lot higher than where we were previously. I know it's it's not what a person wants to hear. It's not what a person, a person wants to hear. God was wrong. He should never have done this. And I get that because at the end of the day, we do want some recognition. Hey, we've tried. We've done well. How could it be that things are falling apart? Could well be. And somebody just sent in a message. I don't know where I've put it now. Had it a second ago where somebody, here it is, where somebody, Daniel says, it's part of our tikkun. It's only our thoughts of how we perceive things, good or bad. So in other words, 
he has something good in mind for us. Yes, Michelle by WhatsApp. Michelle says, I believe that once we decide to be obedient to God, which means keeping his Torah, he will test our faith. He will put obstacles in our way to see if we stay obedient and keep our faith even during difficult times. God wants to know that you will be faithful to him no matter what. And Job is a good example of this. We need a Muna, which in my opinion is trusting and believing that everything that happens is either caused by or allowed by God. That's from Michelle. Very, very powerful and insightful comment. Because I think that that's exactly what we see. It's Dafka. It's almost as if to say, ah, I see that you're dedicated. That means to say, I see that you have, I'm paraphrasing God speaking right now. I see that you have wherewithal. I see that you have strength. I see that you have depth. But I don't think you recognize necessarily how much depth you are capable of. So let's see. Let's see that dedication stand through the difficult times. It's no big deal. And in fact, yeah, it's no big deal to be dedicated when, when, when things are good. It's, it's a big deal to be dedicated when the chips are down. We actually see that earlier in Abraham's story where he is thrown into this furnace because he defies Nimrod, who was the great leader of Mesopotamia at the time and a self-declared deity, by the way. And Abraham says there's only one God and he's invisible and omniscient and omnipotent and all those things. And Nimrod says, well, let's see how strong your God is and throws him into a furnace. And Abraham survives. Now, Abraham had two brothers and Nimrod turns to those brothers and says, Whose side are you on? Are you on Abraham's side or are you on my side? And the one brother, Haran, says, not quite sure. Let's see. And he kind of waits. He waits for Abraham to come out on the other side unscathed. And then he says, yeah, yeah, I'm an Abraham believer. And Nimrod throws him into the fire. But the miracles don't happen for him because to be dedicated when everything is fine is good. But it's not true. And it happens to us a lot. Happens to us a lot. It's harsh. It's really harsh. But it does happen that we feel we have faith and then we have those situations that challenge that faith and only then do we discover just how deep our faith runs. Sometimes it's actually in our best interest. We can only see that in retrospect that it forces us to double down and say, okay, I'm, I'm still going to fuss bait. I'm still going to hang on to my belief system and my dedication to God even though I didn't get exactly what it is that I had expected. So – I think that's maybe a little bit of an insight, but nevertheless, we always ask for what is called toiv hanirvanigle. We want the kind of goodness that you don't have to philosophize about, that you can point it with your finger and say, this is good. May Hashem grant us that kind of goodness all of the time. Have a great week and a good Shabbos.